to head back to Children's Church, all right? Miss Victoria. I like that. That's great. Positive thinking, all right? If you have your Bibles, turn with me. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 this morning. We're going to be finishing up the Sermon on the Mount, the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 7, we'll be looking at verses 24 through 29, all right? Now look, we've been in this for a very long time, so this last sermon here, when when we get to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, this is a summation, all right? This is basically coming back through here. There's going to be a word that's used. I've told you guys this before over and over again. There's a therefore that starts this passage. The therefores that we see in Scripture when we're when Paul is writing and when uh, Scripture is given to us that, and when Christ is, is uh, speaking to us, the therefores are summations that say, because of everything that you've heard before, now we move to this step right here, all right? So, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the floods came. The winds blew and slammed against the house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded upon the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act upon them will be a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came, and when the wind blew and slammed against the house, it fell, and great was its fall. When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for his teaching them, uh, he was teaching them as one having authority and not as one of their scribes. There's two things I really want you to see uh, in this comparison. When we, we look a lot and we talk about the foundations in the comparison um, of, of, of uh, solid rock and then sand. But I really want us to look a little bit differently today when we look at this, all right? And I want you to think about it in two different aspects, okay? When, uh, before I do that, let me just give you an example of what I'm about to share with you. How many of you have ever seen Stone Mountain? Have you seen Stone Mountain? How many of you have ever climbed Stone Mountain? All right, now, less hands. It's easy to drive by. It's a little bit more difficult to climb that, all right? Stone Mountain is about 1,600 square feet, square feet, 1,600 feet in the air, all right? So it's about 1,600 feet up in the air. Now, am I not on at all? Oh, is it loose? Everybody's standing back there looking at me, so I'm going to stop what I'm doing. Okay, no, no, nothing to throw at me? How about now? Is that better? Did that get it? Is that good? All right, sweet. Can y'all all hear me still? Well, sorry for y'all. That's, uh, y'all are just going to put up with it. So Stone Mountain's about 1,600 feet up in the air. Now, have you ever thought how much of Stone Mountain you cannot see? All right. The reality is, is that Stone Mountain goes underground. In fact, Stone Mountain goes underground. It's right there at the county line, all right? And, and into Gwinnett County, they say it goes underground like nine miles, okay? And nine miles out and nine miles down. So what you see as a part of what we climb, which is Stone Mountain, is just the very tip of what it is. So today when we talk about foundation, I want you to think of it in those terms, all right? See, what we see in somebody's life is the very tip of what comes out. If we don't have the structure underneath that, that is what holds us up. So there's two things when we look at this passage today I want you to, to focus on as we close out this Sermon on the Mount. When Christ is speaking to us, and he's given us this summation here, and he says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them, compared to a wise man who builds his house on the rock. When you see the house, that's what you see. But 
the reality is, is it's built on the rock, and the rock goes deep. So the first thing is the substructure of our life, the very bedrock in which we tie into, the base of who we are. What is the base and foundation of who we are? Scripture is the base of the foundation of who we are. So if we're going to live our lives as followers of Christ, we take His words, and that is the foundation of who we are. That is the very substructure that we use, in which in a few minutes, and we'll talk more about that, to go up with what others around us might see. So if we don't have Scripture as the basis of our life, if we don't have God's Word, if we don't believe the truths of His Word, that He was born, born into a sinless life, died on the cross and salvifically for our uh, sins and shed His blood so that we might be able to spend eternity with the Father in heaven. If we don't believe those foundational truths, then we have nothing to build upon in our lives. And so we must have this substructure, this substructure, this framework, this base base that we build upon. Scripture says this in Isaiah twenty eight sixteen. Therefore, thus saith the Lord: Behold, I am laying a in Zion a stone. Does anybody realize what, what's, what is Zion in the Old Testament? What, what is it speaking of there? It's, it's the mountain, all right? What mountain is, in, is Mount Zion? That is Jerusalem, all right? And so what he's saying is, I'm laying this stone in Jerusalem. So when Christ came, lived his life, and then dies on the cross, this is what he is pro- prophesizing or foretelling here, all right? And so here's this stone that's being laid in Zion, a tested stone, talking about the life of Christ, a costly cornerstone for the foundation firmly placed. He who believes in it will not be disturbed, all right? So he's saying here with the life of Christ, the the life that he's going to live for us in the future tense when Isaiah is speaking and now for us in the past tense, That is the very cornerstone of who we are. Does everything in your life revolve around Christ? Come on, think about it. Does everything, it should, but does everything in our life revolve around Christ? No, it doesn't. And because of that, then we can say that there are other things in our life that is keeping us from laying the firm foundation of Christ Jesus as our cornerstone. Do we make all of our decisions based upon what Christ would have us do? Do we make uh, all of the choices that we make based off of what Christ would have us do? When we have something that comes into our life, do we first think of what would Scripture say about that and how we should respond on that? You, say, you see, we say these things with our mouths that we are fully devoted followers of Christ. We are Christians, we are believers. But then our actions speak otherwise. And so see how these two things are coupled together. Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them. So there's something that goes on in our lives where the words that we hear must become the reality of who we are. That is a transformation process that takes every ounce of our being. It is where we must learn to process things through our heart to, do, to make the right decisions and mentally see what the right direction for us to go. The only way that we can discern that is through prayer and time with the Lord through His Word and 
and all these other things and aspects of our lives where we, where we bring this in before it all goes out. So therefore, thus saith the Lord, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a tested stone, all right? Matthew 16, verses 17 through 18. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Okay, this is really good right here. I love this passage because Jesus has just asked all of his disciples, who does everybody say that I am? And some are saying, some say that you're John the Baptist reincarnated. Some say you're a prophet from the Old Testament, just like the Old Testament prophets. And then he turns around and he says, who do you say I am? So in other words, for every single one of us, this gets real personal in a hurry. And uh, we cannot rely upon someone else's faith. My wife is sweet, is she not? Isn't she? Yeah. And you're going, how in the world did she end up with somebody like you? I cannot rest and rely upon my life, upon my, the, the life of my wife. The relationship that I have with God is not my relationship that I have through her. My relationship that I have with God is through my relationship with God through Christ. I can't rely on my parents. Our children can't rely upon us. It's not something that, that we're some kind of conduit for someone else. It is personal for each and every one of us. Jesus Christ stands and asks, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And so Peter steps up and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He gave the right answer. He gave the Sunday school Jesus answer, right? Who is it? It's Jesus. You are the son of God. And then Jesus turns to him and he says, Blessed are you. Does he call him Peter? He calls him who? Simon Barjona. He gives him his given name of what he grew up with. He said, Because flesh and blood did not give this to you, this came from God. And you are Peter, all right? And the word that he gives there is as his name, his new name that he'll be known by for, for all of eternity. All right, is because that, that is a reference to a small pebble. And he says, then upon this rock, which is basically the same word, but it is a big, huge stone, I will build my church. Now, we have said that Peter, because he gave that sermon in the book of Acts, was the foundation of the church. But the reference here, you need to read these words and know what it says in Greek, is he was saying, Peter, you're this little stone. And upon this great big old rock, I'm going to build my church. He wasn't talking about building his church on Peter. He's talking about building the church on whom? Himself. Christ Jesus, the cornerstone. Peter has just said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus says, I'm going to build my church upon this rock, this foundation, this life. So he's not building... This church is not being built off the life of Tim Hunter or the life of Paul Wade or the life of all the other pastors who we read out a few weeks ago who've been pastors here. This church is not built upon that. This church is not built upon the Compton family. All right? Do y'all realize that? This church is not built upon the Compton family. This church is built together as the brotherhood of, and sisterhood of Christ on all of our lives and all of our relationships with Him. 
And so every single one of us has an importance in who we are in Christ and what we are within the body of Christ. Therefore, therefore, since I've given you this stone, this firm foundation, then these words of mine, you must what? Act upon this. We have to act upon this. So the substructure is not ourselves. The substructure is not our history of, of who we are. The substructure is Christ Jesus himself. We must come to that realization just like Peter came to that realization. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 says this, For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. People call us all kinds of stuff. We're bigoted. We're homophobes. We're an exclusive club because we say that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. We say that because why? Because he said it. We are people of the word. We are carriers of the word. The word dwells within us is what scripture says. It lives within us through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's why we have a conscience. It's why we have a moral center. It's not because we're, we're trying to make some kind of moral judgments on everybody else out in the world. It's because there's something at the very core that makes us different than, than the rest of the world. That is Christ Jesus. This is what he does. The world looks at us and says these things about us, but it knows nothing about who we are. But here's the veiled truth for us. They can't see it anymore because the one they're being blinded by, the God of this world. But secondly, we are not acting like the people of God. So Jesus Christ must be at the very foundation of who we are. That foundation, that cornerstone has been laid for us. It is something that we must claim and that we must stand upon. It is not something that we can shy away from. It is not something that shifts it is not something that flows away. How many of you have ever stood on the beach in the waves? Sit on the beach in the waves, just looking out over the ocean. Isn't this wonderful? You're there about four or five minutes, and the next thing you know, you're ankle deep, aren't you? You're ankle deep because the waves keep coming in and keep going out, and the sand that's around your feet just keeps what? Sinking and sinking and sinking. And you're going, then the waves get bigger and bigger. And what? the sand has shifted in such a way that it can just what? Knock you over just like that. Doesn't take a whole lot. It's just up to your knees, but you're so sunk down and you're so out of whack and you're so imbalanced that you'll just fall right over. It's not something that's way above your head. It's something that you think that you can take care of and, and, and do yourself. This is our life. When we get on the sifting, sinking sands, we think that we got it all under control. Well, I don't have to give my finances to Jesus. I can take care of that. I don't have to give my relationships to Christ. I can take care of that. I don't have to give my family to Christ. I can take care of that. I don't have to give my job and my work and what I'm going to do with my life to Christ because I can take care of that. And then slowly but surely as we sit there every single day and the tide comes in and the tide goes out, we sink and we sink and we sink. And then the very things that we should be able to deal with, we can no longer handle. A wave that comes up to our knees can knock us over. And we can't get up. 
Why? Because we're so bound and our feet are so sunk in it. And we're just sitting there. And we're like a helpless child. And we want to get up, but our feet don't what? can't move them. This is what life apart from the firm foundation of Christ is. This is why we see out in the world each and every day all the mumbo-jumbo junk that happens. How did somebody get to this point that something where somebody cut them off in traffic, sent them over the rails, and they went crazy out on the road? How can something, how does people get to that point? How did people get to the point where they'll be celebrating at some Labor Day celebration? I fear that today, on this day of the Lord, that some family's going to be getting together and somebody's going to say something to somebody else in some part of our country and the next thing you know, World War III is going to break out. Verbally or physically. And we will go tomorrow morning and somebody's going to be shot. Or some kind of craziness. How in the world do we get to that point? We get to that point because we are not standing on a firm foundation. We are in sinking sand. We have put our trust in ourselves, and we have put our trust in something other than Christ. There is no other foundation that can be laid. None whatsoever. So, if we don't have the substructure, the bedrock right, then we're in a world of heap of trouble. And that's where we live today. So here, after we lay this and we begin to act upon it, after the substructure is laid and the foundation is there and we say, I am with Christ Jesus, I will stand firmly on the rock, then we must have the framework of our lives, all right? So then we move to the infrastructure. So once we're standing on the rock and once we're going to decide that we're going to stand on this rock, then actions must follow. This is the framework of who we are. This is how God puts us together. We've been going this past week and talking about the fact that as we get ready to build this new building over here, which hopefully will have all the details to you on the 12th, of our, our business meeting on the 12th is what we're shooting for. So that Wednesday night a week, okay? We're hopefully going to have all of this over here so that we can finally get it ready and, and begin to move dirt but the reality for us is this before we can ever lay any concrete or do anything we got to dig down in that and lay the proper foundation and then we got to connect that through the framework of one building to the other those buildings are going to be connected so we have to know the framework of what we already have existing and how we're going to mesh that in with that which is new this is our life. This is how we move. This is how God moves in our lives. When he finds us and we are lost and we accept him as Lord and Savior of our life and we stand upon that rock, we are who we are, are we not? He takes us warts and all. He knitted us together in our mother's womb is what scripture says to us. He has known it from the very beginning, from the very foundations of the world. He knew it at that time and there we are. And we are in no shape or fit to be used to the fullness of what he has planned for us. So there are walls that have to be taken down. And then there are walls that have to be built. There is a framework of our life. God comes in 
and he adds to who we are because as we give our life to Christ we are not a finished product has anybody ever done a home in a renovation anybody ever taken a house and renovated it taking it torn all the other stuff out of it and then started from scratch and rebuilt it from the inside and then maybe did an added room how many of you like Magnolia house huh y'all watch that what, what, what is it fixer upper there you go you like fixer upper you watch that we watch that all the time I don't know how in the world does HGTV have another show right now every time I come in the den I get a fixer upper you know what I'm saying we're going from one to the next what do they do Chip is tearing out walls Chip loves demolition day and then she comes back in after that and what makes it all look grand and wonderful this is what happens in our lives walls are taken down this whole thing we're going to open it up and then we're going to make it new we're going to make it fresh we're going to redo it this is what God does with us and then the next thing you know there's a room that wasn't even there that he has given us meaning he takes this and he creates something new within us that we don't know that we have one of the neatest things that happened to me is when, when I was ordained in the church where I grew up, all these men, these deacons came by and they laid hands on me. Well, I also had some friends that were in the ministry that came by and they laid hands on me. And I never will forget the prayer of one of my friends who came by and laid hands on me. His prayers, he laid his hand on was, Lord, show him something about himself that he doesn't know right now. And that's the one that's been answered over and over and over again. No possibility of thinking that I would ever be a pastor. No possibility of thinking that I would ever leave that church. No possibility of thinking that I would ever go out and plant churches or do this or do that. None of those type of things. So as God moved in my life, he opened up new doors over and over and over and over. Into places that I never thought that I would be able to do things that I never thought that I would do. Is that you? Has God used you in ways that you never thought that he would use you before? Has he showed you new things about yourself? That's a new room. That's something he built. That's something that you didn't have before. So when you began to act upon God's word, he began to reveal himself to you in such a way that you began to move in places that you never thought would happen in ways that you never thought would happen. Elizabeth, did you ever think you'd be here leading worship? No. How many of you know Elizabeth in here? Three or four people. How many of you knew Elizabeth before she ever came here? Like two people. Do you see that connection right there? That connection brought her to this place. When she got to this place, God opened up something brand new in her life. She can't put it back in the box. It's now a part of who she is. He does the same thing with you. He does the same thing with me. When I got here, could I do a business meeting? Oh man, I was good, wasn't I? I was like, I've never done business meetings before like this. We just kind of got it together and we, we didn't follow up you know, Robert's rules of order or none of that stuff. We just kind of like chatted for a while. I got that down now, don't I? 15, 15 minutes, man. We're working it. 
this is a whole new arena, a whole new thing. It is what God does in our lives. We are not finished. He is completing His work in us and through us. He has the cornerstone of Christ Jesus, and then through our acting upon His Word and being faithful to who we are in Him, then He begins to lay this infrastructure of our lives. Ephesians 2, 19-22. So, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building is being fitted together, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together in a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Okay, think about this. 700-something days ago, not a soul in this room knew me. Two years ago, I didn't know a soul in this room. Now, we can't live without each other, can we? <laughs> this is what God does. He sews us together. He knits us together. He takes us and puts the pieces together so that he can use us and build upon us. You and I are just a block, a brick in the history of what God is doing. He laid the foundation with Christ. He had the apostles and the prophets, and they built upon this. And now you and I are just being stacked together and neatly fitted together. And sometimes, you know what? He takes a little bit from this room over here, and he moves it, and he renovates, and he goes over here, and he uses this, and it, it's used in another portion of what he's building. But it is being knitted and fit, fitted together into the body of Christ. That is who we are. All the bricks, though, don't always stay in the same place. He moves us around. He reinvents us and restructures us. At one point, we may have just been at the top, just kind of hanging in and hanging on. And then he took us from the top of one room, and he put us at the bottom of the other, meaning that that, bot, that, that room is held together by who we are. In other words, we were just sitting in the pew. Next thing, we're teaching a class. We were just sitting in the pew. Next thing you know, we're leading worship somewhere else. And other people are looking to us to make decisions and, being, and, and as far as their roles and how, how God puts it. This is what God does. This is how he does it. And you may not always be there. He may take you and he may move you somewhere else but we are being fitted together by Him. Now this is the most important part. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 11, he just said, No man lays a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Then in verses 12 through 15, he goes on and says this, Now if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man which he builds, which he has built on, remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as though through fire. We can't just take and say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I can go do what I want to do. And, it'll all, and God will make it good. 
God doesn't look down on my mess and go, hey, let me bless that for you. Let me help you out. He doesn't do any of that. He says, clean that mess up. Clean that mess up. Tamar spent, what, two and a half hours in our basement yesterday cleaning up the mess. Just cleaning up the mess. Then when she got done, she pranced upstairs and she said, come down and see what I've done. And I had to get my lazy bones out of the chair in front of 14 football games that I was flipping back and forth to and go down and see what all she had done. You see, there was two different lives there. There was one sitting and soaking, and there was one busy about the work that needed to be done. And when it was put to the test of fire, hers will remain. What happens to gold, silver, and precious stones when they are heated up? Does anybody know? They melt, but what else happens? It purifies them. So in the process of them being melted down, they are also purified. Think about that. Every time your life gets heated up, God is making you holier. The heat brings the holy. If you will stand it. If you will stand it, the heat brings the holy. Then when you are done, you are pure. You are more like Christ. Peter will go on later to say that we are put through that refiner's fire over and over again so that we can be more like Christ. We will be purer. We will be holier. So that's what that's all about. But if you're laying up on the foundation a bunch of wood, hay, and stubble, if you're just going out there and saying, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'll give this to the church, and I'll just do whatever I want to, I'll show up when I want to, I'll be involved with what I want to, then you're laying wood, hay, and stubble. What's going to happen to that when it gets put to the test of fire? It's going to burn up. Now look, when gold, silver, and precious jewels are put through the test of fire, they get pure. Look what it says about the one who has all their junk burned up. It says, as though one who have saved himself, but as through fire. What do you look like when you come through fire? You are singed. You stink. All of that mess is on you. It's on you. You are scarred. You are hurt. You are in pain. So we read that and say, it doesn't matter, Tim. I can go do whatever I want to, be whoever I want to. In Christ Jesus, it's all good. No, this passage right here, as we end the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is saying, you got to stand on the rock and you got to be framed up in the right way so that I can use you to either be a part of the foundation here or be a brick that was laid as a part of what I'm fitting together here and I'll move you around as you grow and as you, as you move from one area of your life to the next area of your life and as, you, as the challenges happen, you will be purer, you'll be closer, you'll be more holy because you've been through the heat 
Or you can just sit around, show up when you want to, do what you want to, and then one day have it all burned up. It all burned up. And if you live through it here, you're going to be singed and scarred and in some deep, deep pain. If you don't live through it, you've saved yourself. But do you get what he's saying there? You may have saved yourself, but you were not used by God. What is that? Is that well done, good and faithful servant? It almost reminds us of a get out of hell free card, doesn't it? Boardwalk, woohoo! Get to get out of jail. I'm going to hold on to this. That's what a bunch of people sitting in churches are doing. I got a card back here that says I was baptized on this day back in this church on in this place in this time and I'm hanging on to that and when I stand up there and Peter's at the gates right Peter's at the gates and he says are you going to let me in I'm going to say here's my get out of hell free card I'm telling you that is worthless He has just got through saying, right before this therefore, go back and read the verses before, there's going to be a bunch of people that said, Lord, Lord, look what I have done for you. And they're not, what, going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. If you don't have the foundation, if you don't have the framework, to stop building what you think you're building because it's going to come down in a heap you may be here to see it you may not be here to see it but it'll be a mess I'll leave you with this David was told in the Old Testament that he was a man after God's own heart but David screwed his life up over and over again now here's the one thing that I, I don't know what was worse what was worse the fact that David lived through it and never suffered he suffered but not the fullness of the suffering of the consequences of his sin but the Lord himself came and said all this will be ripped away from your family and it will all go down what was worse to live through it and not know that it wasn't over or to die and to think it's all going to get worse for all of those who've gone after me all my children and my children's children and my children's children's children are going to be led into captivity and live there for years and years as slaves what's worse I'm telling you this pray to the Lord all the time let my sin be on me 
My sin is on me. I don't want my children paying for my mess. And I'm trying sincerely not to make any more of those. But I don't want to pass it on. I want the Lord to do with me what he wills. And I may not be all of that and a box of chocolates, but I will be who God wants me to be. And then those who go after me, that's, but that's between them and the Lord. But they are not paying for my mess. Don't pass it on down. Let's stand up. Stand firm on the foundation of Christ. Let him build the framework of our lives as he sees fit. Get rid of all the junk that's there for us and the stuff that we're holding on to and the stuff that we're trying that's bad for us and bad for everybody else around us. Fix it up. Let God do a renovation of who we are. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I just thank you so much for the fact that you tell us simplistically over and over all that's required of us to do the right thing to be just and to walk in humility with you to be righteous to be holy to do the right thing and to walk in humility with you Father I pray that right now that those are the three things that we're about getting things right in our life being holy. In other words, even if we're walking through the fire right now, we're being purified so that we might be closer to thee, so that we might be more like Christ Jesus, and that we might walk in humility. That means no pride, no junk. Not relying on our stuff. Father, I pray for forgiveness for all the times I have failed you. Father, I ask forgiveness for all the people that are in this place today who have failed you. Between me and them, we've done a lot of damage. But it's something, nothing, nothing that we've done is not something that you can't fix. Father, fix us. these things we give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory and we ask it not in and of ourselves but we ask it in the only the only way that we even get to speak to you and that's through the name of Christ Jesus our Savior and Lord it's these things we pray it's these things that we 